with your Friday Rush. Here's Tyler McComas and Travis Davidson. I am El Nino. All other tropical storms must bow before El Nino. Yo soy El Nino. For those of you who don't habla Espanol, El Nino is Spanish for the Nino. I mean, I play that. Because when I heard everyone talk about the weather forecast for Saturday back on Monday, Chris Farley on Saturday Night Live talking about El Nino, that's what I thought we were going to get on Saturday for the Baylor game. And now that it's Wednesday, Travis, well, all of the uh, bad weather is going to be on Friday. And dare I say, taking a peek at the forecast for Saturday, we might have our first fall-feeling home football game of the year. Sunny High of 64, maybe winds 10 to 15 miles per hour, but sunny, highs in the mid-60s with a little bit of wind. Dude, for the first time this week, uh, this year, it's actually going to feel like fall inside Owen Field. I cannot yeah. wait. I, 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 I don't know, Tyler. Do you think it's a coincidence that uh, all this you know, good news, new offers, Hicks uh, announcing that he's going to be uh, uh, officially visiting for Bedlam, and all of a sudden the heavens open up, and the sun shines upon uh, Norman, Oklahoma. I don't. I don't think that's a coincidence, Tyler. No, I just. I'm ready for some fall weather uh, because I've. I think I've left every single home game with a sunburn so far this year. I think I still have my sunburn from the UTEP game because it was so hot that afternoon. I definitely got one at the KU game last time. OU played a home game, the only home game they played in the month of October, and it felt like August. So you're gonna see some hoodies. You're going to see some long sleeves. You're going to see some jeans for the first time this year. Let's go, dude. Fall weather is kind of finally here, and OU gets to play a, a home football game in it, which I'm sure it felt like fall in Ames last weekend. It looked like it was a little chilly there in the morning. It was It was about the perfect weather you could ask for, man. I mean, you wake up, it's, you know, I think we started headed to the pregame show. It was about 36 degrees. A little nice jacket on, and then, you know, as the game opened up, it was just nice and cool. Just again, light jacket all day, sun out. Um, it it was about the perfect the perfect weather day, not only for football, but man, anything else that you wanted to do that day, it was gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Um, best best weather news we've had all week long is it's not going to be a torrential downpour on Saturday. It might actually be sunny with uh, highs in the mid to low 60s. I don't know what it's going to be at kickoff, well, but at 2 well, and you've PM, seen, it'll be all right. You've seen the point total, Tyler. The point total has risen. Yeah, it has. Vegas. By like three so, points, three or four yeah. points. Yep, so that is a uh, direct result. And honestly, that's more accurate the than the weather forecast. Of course I, it is. Because I, I was kind of doubting, not doubting, but okay, well, what if that bad weather lingers into Saturday? It wouldn't be the most surprising thing that's happened. But now that Vegas, of all people, has adjusted the overall point total to be a nice day in Norman, I am uh, fully expecting, Travis, for it to be an awesome weather day. Uh, the local weatherman may miss. Vegas, not so much. They don't miss. Well, the, if the local weatherman misses, I mean, what do we do? Do we say, oh, man. I mean, they don't lose any money. They don't lose any ad revenue or anything like that. I mean, people are still going to tune in. Vegas, if they get it wrong, 
they're losing a bunch of money. I so, um, you know, you always you always got to go with the ones that are going to be financially affected the most. And uh, I don't think anybody's going to stop tuning into the weather if they get one wrong. Text line says, well, crap, there it is. Tyler just single-handedly jinxed this week- uh, weekend's weather. I can't jinx it if Vegas is promising it. Even I can't jinx that. Yeah, blame Vegas. It's a lock. It's a lock. So, yeah. there you go. I can't wait. Saturday's going to be awesome. It's going to be a big football game. And I'm kind of just wondering where everyone's sitting uh, in the middle of the week, how uh, how's everyone's feeling about this game? Because I, I don't, I, I haven't really gotten a uh, feel from the text line so far this week on how everyone feels ab- about the Baylor game. So let us know four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine. Kind of your midweek feel. This is a big big game for OU. You can get that sixth win and be bowl eligible on Saturday. I gave my early week feel yesterday, Travis. I'm sitting around thirty one twenty seven OU four point win. Really close game. Going to have to make some plays in the final minutes. Like I'm going to project basically every game from here on out to be a close game, and this Saturday is no no exception whatsoever. Where where are you sitting at on this Wednesday of what's going to happen on Saturday afternoon? Man, it's kind of interesting, right? Because it'll come down to uh, come down to the run game, right? I mean, um, obviously Iowa State doesn't have much of one, so we didn't really have to worry about much. Baylor, on the other hand. They can, they can run the ball on you, there's no doubt. So I like it. I do think we connect on some deep shots. So give me, give me – They better connect on some deep shots this week. Give me 30, 38-31. 38-31. You yeah. got to win them by a touchdown. Easy cover. Yeah, easy cover. And I tell you what, man, it's – you know, Baylor's defense isn't as good as – Iowa State's uh, what's interesting is Iowa State went into last game and they had you know the quadruple crown if you will they led in scoring defense total defense pass defense and rush defense because Oklahoma and Eric Gray went off on them Iowa State is now two in the rankings of rush defense and Baylor has moved up to the number one spot I I do think after uh, Eric Gray gets a hold of Baylor though Iowa State will reclaim their spot uh, at the top of the rush defense. <laughs> that that would be a pretty good indication of how far the running game has progressed this this year is if you make Baylor and Iowa State flip-flop in consecutive weeks because you ran the ball on both of them so well and you're yeah, already I, halfway there. I just there, want them to say, you know? I just want them to say, "Hey, you know what? Oh, we did well. Oh, well they haven't played Oklahoma yet. So that that's what explains their rush defense. Oh, well they have another Oh, well they haven't had to play this team. You know what I mean? Like it's you know you have some you know you have some strengths whenever teams have to say, oh, well, the only reason they're ranked that way is because they haven't had to play Oklahoma yet. Midweek feel is I am clueless. Nothing will surprise me, says someone from the 405. 918, I feel cautiously optimistic. The defense really needs a statement game. They have to play with their hair on fire. Uh, was, like, la- was last week a statement game for them? I feel like last week was a statement game, Tyler. I mean, I, I think- And their statement is that they're a lot better, I, at least I think. Yeah, I think it is too, and – and I don't know. I, I I just think when you hold, I know they can't run the ball. I know Iowa State can't run the ball. I get it. But when you win by two touchdowns, uh, something that hasn't been done in a, a couple years now, and you win by two touchdowns and you get three turnovers and you hold them to 66 yards rushing. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, yeah, I guess that it could be another statement game, maybe a second part of a statement. But I feel like last week they made they 
made good strides in that. It, la- last Saturday was a statement game. Now, the statement, I think when most people think about, oh, a statement game, it means that they've claimed that they're a top five defense in the country. Like, that's not what happened last Saturday. Uh, but a statement was made, and the statement is they've, they've progressed over the course of the past couple weeks. We, we, they did, for the millionth time we've said this, they did what we asked them to do, which is get better. That was, that was the statement that was made. They're not as bad as they were maybe a month ago. So, yeah, I, I think that happened. 405, worried about our ability to match their physicality. And, oh, boy, wasn't that kind of the uh, – wasn't that the big story coming out of the game last year is Baylor was super physical in that win in Waco, and OU could not match it on either side of the ball. And Baylor's still very physical on both sides of the ball, and – this is kind of a test, I think, on Saturday to see how far you've come on both sides of the ball. Are you a tougher, more physical football team? Yeah, and I'll tell you what, Tyler, there's two guys that really stand out to me on Baylor's defense that are going to be the ones that you're going to have to uh, really deal with on the physical side. It's Gabe Hall. Uh, he's a defensive lineman, 6'6", 300 pounds. And then they've got a linebacker, Tyler. He's second on the team in sacks, Garmin Randolph. 6'7", 250-pound linebacker. So um, they've got the guys that, you know, you the, those first off-the-bus guys. And, yeah, they're, gonna, they're going to uh, they're gonna bring it. They play good defense, and they run the ball extremely well, and that is typically uh, the calling card of a tough team. Don't forget about Siaki Ika in the middle of their defensive line, 6'4", 358 pounds. Siaki oh, yeah. Ika. Uh, who's played a lot of ball there. He's he's a really good player as well. Uh, let me get to a few of these texts. I think we will have a good game. Uh, OU 35, Baylor 24. Shane the Train in Newcastle says, I'm predicting OU 49, Baylor 21. Defense plays even better, and offense gets some deep shots we've been needing. Shane, that is a very aggressive final score prediction, 49 to 21. I like and, it. And, and I like if, it. If OU wins that game... 49-21, it'll be hard to say that that's not their most impressive performance of the entire year. I guess the Nebraska game would be the only one that could match up to that, but I think Baylor's a better football team than Nebraska. If OU were to hold Baylor to 21 points, get some sacks, TFLs, turnovers, and all that, because not everyone is willing to give OU's defense credit for their performance against Iowa State. Will OU fans finally be ready to give the defense a ton of credit if they play well defensively against Baylor. Like, is this the week where everyone can come say, all right, yeah, they're not a great defense, but they've gotten a lot better and they're, you know, they're, they, they might be pretty good. They might be in a good spot. I, th- I think they will. I think this is the one because it would be stacking good weeks, Tyler. I think, uh, uh, I think that would be, you know, consistency is something we've looked for out of this defense for years now, Tyler. So I think if you stack multiple weeks where you hold somebody maybe – uh, below their scoring average, or you just you just look good. You turn the ball over, um, and and you stop the run, maybe or at least limit the run in the case of Baylor. But you know, Blake Shapin's going to give you some opportunities. Um, he hasn't been too sharp in his last two games, so hopefully OU can take advantage of that. Uh, I feel like it's going to be critical that OU fans make this the most hostile environment they have ever seen in Norman, says someone from the 405. You guys need to talk about this more. I mean, we can talk about what the crowd is going to look like on Saturday. Uh, I I think it definitely has the chance to be good, but is it going to be the most hostile environment they have ever seen? 
Um, I don't necessarily think that that's going to be the I don't, case. I don't, think the, I don't think the stakes will necessarily be high enough, but I'll tell you what, Tyler. I will say this. After traveling to a couple other, you know, road games this year and um, even on the bye week traveling, um, it's there's a there's a specific difference between the two types of fans that go to a game. And I'm not saying that, you know, OU has one and other schools have another. I'm just saying that everybody falls into one of these two categories. Either you are there to be entertained or you are there to impact the game. Um, that's that's pretty much where they fall. And, I mean, if you look at the Oklahoma State and Texas game, I mean, the pre-snap penalties that Texas had, that's, that's, that's directly an effect of Oklahoma State's crowd being absolutely hostile. And, you know, you, you get those types of situations, and they understand they can impact the game. Those pre-snap penalties, they kill drives. We know that, you know, as well as anybody. Sure. So when you're at a game, it's important to understand that you have the power to impact the game. You can't sit there and say, you know what, I'm here to be entertained. So, you know, you guys better play well to make me cheer. No, no, you, you, have, you have that power to impact it, so use that power. I wonder if the ESPN Plus, like the game being on ESPN Plus, is going to get more people in the stadium than if this game was on, you know, Big Fox or FS1 or an easily accessible channel. Because if I found out anything this year, I found out that not everyone can operate ESPN+. And it's difficult for some people to find the programming that they want to find. So maybe you get a few more butts in seats than you normally would since the game's at uh, 2 p.m. on ESPN+. I don't know. But the see, points Tyler, you make I, about the crowd I, I think are, are, are fair. You, you See, Tyler, I think we're going to – I think because of the way the OU fans and uh, everybody really looked at the schedule preseason – I think there are going to be a lot of butts and seats um, and a sellout simply because everybody thought the schedule was backloaded, Tyler. Everybody thought Baylor, Oklahoma State, those are, those are your two tough games, and you get them both at home. Well, now you look at it, and you're looking at TCU and Kansas State way up in the standings, and you're going, wait a minute, they're, they're combined 14-2? and two? We've already played the two best teams in the conference? What's going on here? So, but I think as people kind of plan their fall out, um, I, I think a lot of people looked at the Baylor game and the OSU game and said, you know what, those are the games that we got to go to. So uh, I think I haven't really seen a lot of people trying to sell their tickets. I know leading up to the Kansas game, we saw a lot of that. I haven't seen a lot of that this week, Tyler. No, I haven't either. And this kind of feels like a light at the end of the tunnel game. Uh, if you win it, then there's as much optimism. I don't know if you had the same optimism coming out of the Nebraska game, but it's the most optimism you've had at any point during uh, during Big 12 play. You you win this game on Saturday, then you got a thought of, dang, I mean, oh, you can go to West Virginia and win. Oh, you can beat Oklahoma State, especially if Spencer Sanders is out for the year, and you can go on the road and beat Tech. Like th- This is the game right here. Y- you beat Baylor on Saturday, and our conversation, we're already having conversations about 9-3. and three. But you beat Baylor on Saturday, those conversations about 9-3, and three, those are going to get a whole lot more serious on Monday and Saturday afternoon during the postgame show. We'll be talking about that a lot at Yo Pablo on Campus Corner if OU wins the game on Saturday. Yeah, and I think, Tyler, I, I already know uh, 
you know, what the conversation is going to be is, you know what, we can win every game on the schedule from here on out, and we can lose every game. Is that really? Is that really going to be that's, still a talking point? Of course, it, of course it will. Of Man. course it will. But here's the thing: the tone will be so much more different. It, it will be the tone will be, hey, we can lose these games if we don't show up. It, it won't be we can win these games if we play out of our mind. You know what I mean? The tone's going to shift a little bit if if we continue to win like this. Um, by the way, a random Baylor stat that you did not ask for, but I still think you'll be surprised. I read this earlier today on a Baylor website. You know, Baylor just beat Texas Tech in Lubbock. Do you know the last time Baylor beat Tech in Lubbock? What 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 year it was? No, but I'm I'm surprised you had to read that. I figured you just know that I know. off the top of your head. I was kind of disappointed in myself. 1990 is the last time ba- before this past Saturday that Baylor had won in Lubbock. Now, granted, they were playing at you know neutral side. They played at the Cotton Bowl one year. Uh, they had been playing at AT&T Stadium, so they haven't been playing home and home since 1990, but Baylor had lost 10 in a row in Lubbock, and Saturday was their first win in West Texas since the 1990. It's crazy, dude. 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. It is The Rush, Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. It is The Rush on the Ref. We're the home of Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. We're with you until 6 p.m. tonight. Air Comfort Solutions text line is 405 405- Six five one thirty four thirty nine. Hey, now that OU has five wins and four games left on the schedule, some of y'all didn't want to hear about bowl projections a couple of weeks ago, but now that you're one win away, hey, maybe a bowl game looks a lot more likely than it did uh, at this point last week, Travis. And as I uh, start to really look into bowl projections and what others have, it seems like everyone has OU in the guaranteed rate bowl Against against Wisconsin in Phoenix, which I, I didn't really think about the venue that it was played in. For some reason, I thought that they would just play it at Sun Devil Stadium. I don't know why, but they actually play that bowl game at Chase Field, where the Arizona Diamondbacks play. That's Does going to guaranteed or the, going to the guaranteed rate bowl probably not the highest on your list to begin with? Does it change your opinion one way or the other that you get to play in a baseball stadium? Uh, doesn't it doesn't change my opinion much? I see. I don't know. Like I enjoy the city more so than the venue most of the time. Um, like I said, I'd love to go back to San Antonio. That's always a great host city. Um, never a bad time to be in a warm weather place like Arizona or Florida or anything like that. Um, you know, during the winter months. Um, but man, I'm I'm a, I'm a win total guy. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm not. I'll I'll go wherever the bowl is, but you know I care about getting to the best bowl we can. Yeah, um, I San Antonio is a really good bowl city because like the best bowl city, New Orleans is the best bowl city in my opinion. Well, why is New Orleans the best bowl city? Well, several reasons, but mostly because you can't be in New Orleans or at least in the heart of New Orleans 
and not know that there is a bowl game going on, a big-time college football game. You know, like the whole city is centered around the Sugar Bowl or the national championship if it's played there. There is a central gathering place for all the fans on Bourbon Street. New Orleans is just the proximity of the Superdome. to every, like New Orleans is just built to be a bowl city. And San Antonio doesn't have it to that extent. But if you're on the Riverwalk, you you know the Alamo Bowl is that week because you see all the the fans of the two teams that are there. San Antonio is like a a, a really good bowl city. Um, Phoenix, I don't think that that's necessarily going to be the case, especially for the guaranteed rate bowl. You could probably be at several places in Phoenix and have no idea that there's a football game going on that day. Yeah, I think you and I have discussed the uh, New Orleans San Antonio dynamic. Uh, love San Antonio, but yeah, to your point, in Phoenix, I mean, I guess you could grab the golf clubs and uh, do some winter golfing, but other than that, I mean, I don't think that, I don't think that as as far as a host city goes, that you would feel fully immersed in the bowl experience. Trying to uh, think if OU's ever played in a baseball stadium before. They played at Minnesota. Was that the 1985 season opener in the Metrodome? And the Twins uh, played in the Metrodome for several years, but to play in an outright baseball stadium in Phoenix would be R.I.P. Metrodome. Yeah, R.I.P. I know, man. That'd be that was, a weird. That was a tough time for us Vikings fans. Is it uh, as the roof caved in oh, from all the snow? Is not that yep. what happened? <laughs> caved in from the snow. The the honestly, the security footage is pretty fascinating. I mean, you 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 see the you see just the field, you know, there, and then. Boom! All of a sudden, all this snow come through the roof, and uh, and yeah, then of course they got the opportunity to play outdoors when they hosted Seattle in that playoff game, and it was like three degrees at kickoff. Bud Grant walks to the uh, walks to the fifty for the coin toss in a polo, a short sleeved polo. It's <laughs> and uh, and yeah, and then Blair Walsh, you know, misses one of the easiest kicks of his career. So, anyways. Uh, yeah, I think walking down that memory lane was fun, but yeah, I'm not sure if they've ever played played you know, Army just... at Yankee Stadium way back when. Thank you, text line. Okay, 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 okay. So they I was about to say I could think of something. At least, at least I hadn't been to one in a baseball. There season. is a I, at least there was. I, I think there's still a Fenway Bowl at Fenway Park. Now, I, like at least uh, Chase Field in Arizona has pretty straight up. Well, no, they got some pretty big gaps out there. But uh, Fenway is just such a quirky ballpark. It's kind of like a shoebox, especially to left field. That would be a weird place to watch a college football game is is in Fenway Park. But, dude, um, Chase Field has the pool out in right center field. Do we know enough people to watch from the pool uh, if OU were to play Wisconsin in that bowl game? Because that would be amazing. K K Ref Army meetup in the in the pool. Oh my gosh, there would K-Ref be some pool party. Let's de- do it. There would be some debauchery that happened out there. I they probably kick us out by the end of the first quarter. We would we would have Parker talk to the cops. He would be able to talk it. <laughs> he would confuse them with a lot of big words, and they'd be like, "Well, I, I didn't see it that way." All right, on, on with your business. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's what a guaranteed rate bowl. There's some for the. Um, for uh, the bowl game in Memphis, the Liberty Bowl. But if you keep on winning out, man, 
if you went out the rest of the way and you get two teams in New Year's Six Bowl games, which you're going to have at least one because the conference winner, if they're not in the playoff, is going to go to the Sugar Bowl. And if you get someone else in a New Year's Six Bowl game, OU wins out. They're probably going to go to the Alamo Bowl. And, hey, maybe you'll get that chance at USC that uh, everyone's waiting on. Uh, everyone's been waiting on for quite some time. I, I say, Travis, two teams in a New Year's Six Bowl game. Because judging by the college football playoff rankings last night, there is no way that they are putting TCU in the four-team playoff at the end of the year. And I know it's all for entertainment, and I'm not supposed to get worked up over last night's rankings because they don't matter. But, man, their logic and how they come up with these rankings, yeah, it, they, they just embarrass themselves, man. Um, saying that, well, one loss Alabama, we're going to rank them in front of TCU because... You know, TCU's given up a whole lot of points. We just want to see TCU look more dominant. As if Alabama, if there's been very many moments at all this year where Alabama's looked dominant. TCU's looked way more consistent than Alabama has. Not even close. Well, I guess the only argument, if I were were arguing against TCU being ranked highly, I would say... Well, you know, they they sure been knocking out a lot of quarterbacks. They really haven't had to play, you know, a lot of the they haven't had to play a Hendon Hooker, you know what I mean? Like they 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 haven't really had to play that. But and then if I was arguing against Alabama, I'd say, well, they had to kick a game-winning field goal against a 5 and 3 Texas team and they had to stop 3 and 5 A&M on the goal line uh on the last play. I mean, they they've been they've been escaping some some mediocre to bad teams, Tyler. Yeah, TCU and Clemson have identical records. TCU's strength of schedule is three, Clemson's four. TCU has more ranked wins, four, than Clemson's three. And then Clemson is at number four, and TCU's all the way back at number seven. And I don't really care about TCU one way or the other. It does not affect me whatsoever. I am not rooting for TCU to make the college football playoff, but, man, some of these rankings are just embarrassing. The the only reason to root for TCU to make the playoff – would not be for conference allegiance because I think that's dumb, but in order to get us a better bowl game. Yeah. Um, so that's the only way it could really affect us. I don't think there's a situation where we're going to start losing recruiting battles to TCU because they made a playoff and then went and got, you know, curb stomped by Georgia. But um, I think that I don't I don't know. It, it's it's just interesting to me. You can you can really poke holes in a lot of it, but Tyler, I don't think I don't think this is something you can poke holes in. They are propping up teams to make Alabama look good. Texas being in the top 25 is so Alabama can have another ranked win. And then I love my guy Jamar, but LSU being at number 10. Yeah, what are they doing? The week before they play, or the week that they play Alabama, here comes, uh, you know, that's the thing. It's, there are some pretty obvious things. Again, uh, you know, undefeated SEC team top or top ranked teams undefeated one loss and two loss teams are all SEC teams so it is what it is it's a great conference and that's why we're going but at the same time don't be so obvious yeah why I I don't get it like why did they move LSU at number 10 to prop up or you know the the Alabama LSU game that's playing this week why would they do it for that matchup but not put Tennessee and Georgia at one and two they put Tennessee at one and Georgia at three. It, it would be the first ever one versus two matchup in the college football playoff era with the college football playoff rankings. It's so easy. These rankings do not. Why would you not put them at one and two? It makes no sense to me. I, f- I feel like they're. I feel like they want Georgia back and they don't really want Tennessee. So I think they wanted to, you know, annoy Kirby as much as possible and say, 
I mean, because I, I mean, I heard you guys talk about it all week. When it's like Tennessee does not want to be number one in these rankings. Now all of a sudden they're number one, and Georgia's all the way down at three. Georgia's sitting there going. Kirby's telling his team, look, you're the defending national champions. You were undefeated defending national champions, and they think you're you're not even a top two team. Okay, well uh, we we should just forfeit this game. We're not even we don't even belong on the same field as these volunteers. Man, it's weird, man. It's really weird. Yeah. Like, I, I don't disagree with Tennessee at one. I think they've earned that, but to, to not put Georgia at number two so you could have two top ten matchups this weekend, have one versus two, and what what is it uh, five versus ten? What whatever Alabama is this week? I, I don't know. It's as, as a little weird to me. Whatever. Uh, text line says if TCU kicks Texas butt, then they may jump Alabama. Which, by the way, I was looking at that game, uh, TCU and Texas, which they'll play a week from Saturday in Austin. Texas is a six-point favorite in that game. That's hilarious. Let, Let, Tex, Texas's next two games are no walks in the park, my friend. Well, I think that they're probably going to lose both of those games, and they're a favorite in both of those games, including Kansas State this Saturday. So I don't know what I'm missing on Texas or you know what other people are seeing in those guys that I don't. Yes, I watched the OU-Texas game. Before you have to chime in on that, I, I just I, I I I am like lost as to why people keep overvaluing Texas. I don't understand it. Yeah, yeah, I don't really know either, uh, Tyler. It, it's my first year with the uh, um, the K Ref Royal Rumble, uh, sponsored by Pizza Hut. Can I go ahead and lock in, you know, upset picks this far ahead of time against Texas? Can I do, can I do like three week ahead of time? You might as well get that get that line at six when you can get it because I, I I bet it drops. Well, actually, yeah. it probably won't. I, the, the way that Texas has been has been overvalued uh, here recently with the lines. May, maybe the line. Maybe you should wait. Maybe it'll be Texas minus ten by the time we get to Monday of next week. <laughs> I don't know. I'll uh, I'll see if I can lock in that upset pick early. Yeah, we don't want Muleshoe Junior from TCU in the playoffs. Says the text line talking about Garrett Riley, which I uh, see. See, my thing is like, I almost think that. You know, Garrett being more accomplished than than Muleshoe would kind of be fun. I don't know. There's there's a bit of fun in that. The reason, you know, if you if you put out a list, one of the reasons that I wouldn't want TCU in the playoff is because the first year coach argument really really doesn't help us. Which you know, people are like, hey, right, Brent Venables, man, first year coach, give him time to get it right. And then you look over there at Sonny Dykes, and they take a roster that doesn't have near the talent, and you make the playoff. Uh, that could be a little rough. Yeah, yeah, it would. Uh, which A and M fans, I guess, are wanting to back up a Brinks truck for uh, Muleshoe Junior to be their offensive coordinator next year. Yeah, I, but uh, but but they hired Jimbo and paid him all that money because he's an offensive guru. Oh, and a quarterback whisperer. How how's that been going down in College yeah. Station? Yeah, I don't, I don't I don't get it, man. I like I don't understand the whole like. Oh well, Jimbo just needs to you know hire somebody to run the offense. What did you bring him there for? Like you've been, and and why would you pay somebody that much, and then what you paid them for, you're gonna go get somebody else to do, and then pay them a bunch of money. All of a sudden, you look at you look at Jimbo and go, wait a minute, why are we paying you so much? You don't you, you don't. I thought we were paying you to run this offense. You're running it straight into the ground. It's been their defense that has actually been good, uh, at least this year in the past couple of years as well. If A&M's been a- ever able to do anything, it's been because of their defense, not yeah, because DJ, of Jimbo's offense. DJ Durkin's been killing it. Um, I do think that uh, I, I do think it's interesting. I, I looked up the old bar stool 
uh, Texas A&M account, and they have had so many tweets. I was able to make a little movie out of it. Since 2019, you can go back, and all they're saying is, the future is bright, the future is bright, the future is bright. For four years, Tyler. I know. It's nuts, man. Does the man. future ever get here? It's the, the future is bright. It's that pesky old present that keeps on tripping them up. Crazy. 405-361-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. More OU football on the other side. Keep it locked right here on the ref. We are the homeless Sooner fans. There's Marvin Mims talking about his game on Saturday. Not his best, but Jeff Levy says during his press conference on Monday, yeah, don't worry about it. Trust me, we're still going to get the ball to 17. And if I had to guess, you know, your best wide receiver coming off a game like that, Marvin Mims is definitely going to get a ton of targets on Saturday. Um, and I think that they might go to him early just to kind of get his confidence back in. Or like, I don't think you're going to have to wait very long, Travis, to see Marvin Mims get the ball in his hands. They're going to go right back to him, get that confidence back up, and you know, hoping that 17 can be a huge difference maker in the passing game. Yeah, I think he has a target within the first two plays. Um, just run the it. same play uh, that you ran against Iowa State, first play of the game. Yeah, and then don't hold. And then catch it. Yes, those two things are good. So that would be helpful. But, yeah, I'll tell you what, man. We talked about it, you know, after the Kansas game. It was, man, Marvin Mims. Uh, and maybe maybe we jinxed it, Tyler. Um, you know, text line certainly is going to th- think so. But I was like, man, he had 15 targets, only nine catches. There's no way that, you know, he drops or doesn't complete six catches out of that. You know, that conversion rate is going to be much higher. What does he go out and do the next week? Have his worst game as a Sooner. So, so maybe uh, maybe I should uh, hold any proclamations about Marvin Mims um, closer to the maybe chest. Maybe so. But I, but I do think I do think he has a big game. And to your point, I think they go to him early and often um, because the weather's going to be decently nice. Um, they they can give up some they can give up some rushing yards. Again, you can stay away from those big, talented defensive tackles if you uh, get the ball out quick and you get it out to your playmakers. So uh, Jaleel Farouk is a guy that I'm really, really looking for to contribute big. I mean, first two, uh, first, uh, two games of the season, Tyler, one catch for nine yards. Yeah, we were wondering, like, when, when's that going to happen with Farouk? I mean, it, it, and I think uh, Levy was even asked about it during the non-con. Yeah. Like, is that just situational? Like, you know, are you going to get him going? And in the Nebraska game, they did finally. They got him going. Yeah. I mean, now he's obviously return, you know, a return man with Billy out. But last two games, keep in mind, first two games, both blowouts against G5s. One catch, nine yards. The last two games, both against Big 12 opponents and one against the best defense you're going to see this year, eight catches for 116, a touchdown, and two carries for 26 yards. Obviously, he had... Uh, a good amount of rushing yards against Texas, and then he's been the return man too. So uh, he's definitely stepped up his game, and I think he's going to be really big down the stretch. Well, and that's been a very, very underrated storyline for me coming out of Saturday's game is his emergence, and you know because it was you know Marvin Mims dropped the ball on the very first play of the game. Like it kind of felt early on, like dang, what's what's wrong with what's wrong with Marvin Mims, right? I mean, he's clearly your number one receiver. You got to get him going if you you hope to win this game. But Marvin Mims had his worst game as a Sooner, 
And I think it's very underrated and very big, man, that Jaleel Farouk stepped up and had the best game of any wide receiver. Someone's not having a great game. you, you got to have somebody else step up and take his place. And you know, Farouk you know did that, like? led the team in receiving. So I, I don't think there's a changing of the guard at receiver. I still think Mims is uh, wide receiver number one. But Farouk stepping up at his place, man, that was, that was big. You know what it kind of felt like, Tyler? It kind of felt like um, – it kind of felt like – when against Alabama when Hollywood couldn't quite go uh, and he was out there as a decoy kind of and then it kind of looked at C.D. Lamb the younger guy and said all right here you go time to step up and we went to him over and over you you have those situations sometimes mid-game Tyler you have to say look it's it's not working out for whatever reason with Marvin we got to feed somebody else and that that second guy's got to be ready you never know when when the ball's going to be coming your way and they were patient Ran that high-low kind of over the middle. They were patient, and then he delivers a strike. And, man, after that, it felt like OU wasn't going to let go. Yeah, and and some might say, well, yeah, I mean, he was the leading receiver, but his longest reception of the game and his only touchdown was because he was wide open and there was no one near him. Okay, if you want to have that take, I'll present to you the first catch. I believe it was the first catch of the game that he had. If you think that touchdown was too easy and anyone could have made that play, like a chair. he got folded like a chair and he still came down and made the play. So that was like maybe his most impressive play of the season came against Iowa State on Saturday. I don't know it how he held takes, on to that one. It also takes talent to get that wide open. And as you know, as unfortunate as it is, if it's so easy, how come Marvin wasn't bringing down the with the wide open ones? You know what I mean? Like there's still talent involved in it. You can't discount the guy because he – got wide open, and then scored. Yeah, I, I think you're in a situation that I am in no way worried about Marvin Mims moving forward. But I, I think what's kind of, you know, during that, what's helped you is you've got a true one-two at wide receiver now. And you've got some other guys that can contribute, Theo Weiss, Drake Stoops, Gavin Freeman, Braden Willis in the passing game. But your one-two is pretty defined, I think, at this point. And that's a pretty good one-two at wide receiver to have, in in my opinion. Yeah, I think what's been interesting is the emergence of uh, uh, of Gavin Freeman specifically as as a ball carrier. He's had five – I mean, he's now had two catches this year and five rushing attempts. It's kind of interesting when you look at – you know, we, we, we spoke on the postgame. You know, who would you have picked to be the freshman standout uh, in the wide receiver guys? But – it's been him, but they've been using him as a running back, which I find so interesting. Yeah. 405-651-3439 is the Air Coverage Solutions text line. We'll close up our number one of the Friday rush on a Wednesday. Coming up next. Cavens Construction bringing you this hour of the rush. Cavens, they do it all. Remodeling, roofing, water restoration, facility maintenance, and a whole lot more. Cavens Facility Maintenance serves all of Oklahoma. It can help take the ease off of your staff, but fixing those pesky problems in your office building. Call Cavens today, 405-573-3048. That's their Norman office. Tulsa, they're here to serve you as well, 918-282-7612. The big news in recruiting today is apparently David Hicks, five-star defensive lineman, saying that he is going to take that visit to Norman for the Bedlam game. So basically what this means is OU still has a foot in the door. You still got a puncher's chance here down the way. Um, Five weeks ago, it certainly did not feel like that was ever going to happen, but 
here you are, Travis. You may even have last at bat with David Hicks if you get that visit to try to flip him before signing day. Yeah, and here's the thing, Tyler. At 2.30, you know, that, that fateful Wednesday, you know, 2.30, he was on the phone FaceTiming with the Oklahoma staff talking about what hats he was wearing, showing them the shirts they were going to wear, all that. He was going to commit to OU. And then 40 minutes later, he calls and says, hey, man, I'm going to a and if, if it was that close, it stands to reason that Oklahoma can regain that lead. I mean, it's, this is not a situation where, oh, A&M came in and beyond a shadow of a doubt, that's where I know where I, I, I want to go. He's, he's conflicted. So if you're Oklahoma, I know we had a texter earlier that said this weekend is the most hostile crowd that we've, we need to have ever seen at Oklahoma. You know, that Bedlam crowd, that Bedlam crowd, really. <laughs> Maybe for the future of your program for the next three yeah. years, yeah. That Bedlam game yeah. needs to look like, uh, sound like 08 Tech. Yeah, exactly. It's a, uh, uh, I, I might go and put thumbtacks in every single seat, and as people sit down and turn around and look down, I'll put a, a, a small sign, like a postcard, that says, you know, David Hicks is here, stand up. This is Bedlam. Stand up. Do whatever you need to. They'll turn down and say, "Oh, okay. Maybe we'll maybe maybe something like that in the seat backs or something. I don't know. We'll figure Put it out." Put two for each seat in the student section, would you? I don't know if one's going to do it <laughs> over there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like you said, it's it's big time. Uh, the the door is not shut on David Hicks. There has been nothing but turmoil in College Station since he made that decision. And OU's reeled off some wins, and uh, we still got. We're leaving the light on, man. Come on home. Um, it, it, it's great. Anytime you get a five-star quarterback in your class, I feel like almost always that's the most talked about or celebrated player. But I feel like in this case, if OU were to get David Hicks, most people would probably be more excited about him than any other player in this class, maybe including Jackson Arnold. Because of the way this whole recruitment has gone down to this point, uh, you didn't get his commitment the first time around, how bad you've needed elite interior defensive line play. A lot of people will be excited about Jackson Arnold, and you should be. He's throwing up stupid stats this year. But if David Hicks were to flip, um, the excitement surrounding that guy may be unmatched for anyone else in this class. That's how, that's how big this one is. Yeah, but I, I, think, it's, I think it's just situational. Um, and I think, if, I think if David Hicks would have committed super early and uh, you know, been the, the model commit that Jackson Arnold has been, uh, I don't. I don't think it would have. Uh, I think it would have flipped a little bit. Yeah. I mean, if Jackson Arnold sure. would have been the one to take visits, to, you know, to A and M and to seal our heart, you know, we we kind of trust in the future of the defense um, under Venables and Bates and all these guys. It's the offense. It's like, does Levy Gold Ole Miss? You know what happens? Like, I feel like it's really just the timing of it all. Hour number two of the rush coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref.